Last time, we learned from God's word that nothing makes God happier than when one person comes to him through faith in Jesus. We learned that God is passionate about people and God wants me to share his passion. And so we ended last time with a challenge from God's word to identify one. One person I'm willing to care about spiritually, one person that I'll help toward Jesus, one person that I'll pray for, one person that I'll invite to church. And last time we discovered that Paul's passion for people came from his desire to please God and his experience of Jesus' love on a personal level. And today we get to hear Paul in action as he passionately shares with one person who needs Jesus. The one Paul speaks to is a man named King Agrippa. And even though the occasion was designed so that Paul could speak to this one man, there was a crowd listening in too. And in a moment, I'm going to read what the Apostle Paul said to Agrippa. And you can follow along by turning in your Bible to Acts chapter 26. But first, let me describe the scene to you. Picture a large room in a royal palace. Uh, this palace belongs to a governor over Israel named Festus, who rules in the city of Caesarea. Governor Festus has a prisoner uh, who has been accused of some things by the religious leaders uh, in the land. And this prisoner has been in his palace prison for over two years. This prisoner is the Apostle Paul. And over those two years, Paul became a a subject of fascination to Governor Festus and his political predecessor in office. And every once in a while, these governors would call Paul up from the dungeon just to hear him speak. One day, Festus had a royal guest who was Jewish and therefore interested in Paul's claim that the Jewish Messiah had come, had died on a cross, and rose again from the tomb. So Festus called Paul up from the dungeon so he could speak to this one person, King Agrippa. But as I said, there were other people in the room, including Festus and Agrippa's wife and a bunch of military leaders and palace personnel. So now picture Paul standing before this crowd. Paul is shackled with a heavy iron chain and his eyes are bright and focused on this one person, King Agrippa. Paul motions with his hand and he begins. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against my accusers, and especially so because you are well acquainted with all our Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. My accusers all know the way that I have lived ever since I was a child, from the beginning of my life in my own country and then also in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time 
and can testify, if they're willing, that I conform to the strictest sect of our religion, living as a Pharisee. And now it is because of that hope, my hope, in what God has promised our ancestors in Scripture that I am on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. King Agrippa, it is because of this hope that my fellow Jews are accusing me. Why should any of us consider it incredible that God raises the dead? Although I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time, I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished to try to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. On one of those journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. And about noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice speaking to me in Aramaic. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. I said, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up, stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, then in all Judea, and then to the Gentiles. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. That is why some of my fellow Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. But God has helped me to this very day. So I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I'm saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead would bring this message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. At this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. You are out of your mind, Paul. Your great learning is driving you insane. I 
am not insane, most excellent Festus. What I'm saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these things, and I speak freely to him. I'm convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to become a Christian? Paul replied, short or long, I pray to God that not only you, but everyone listening to me may become what I am, except for these chains. This is Paul's story. And it's a story about light. In verse 13, Paul says that he's traveling on the road and he met Jesus who appeared to him in a blinding light. Then in verse 18, Jesus speaks to Paul and says that he is shining on Paul so that he can go and turn people from darkness to light. And then in verse 23, Paul confirms that in obedience to Jesus' command, his purpose is to shine is to share Jesus' message of light. And God preserves Paul's words about this one light, Jesus, to teach me how to shine like Paul. So let's explore Paul's lessons for shining that one light. The first lesson to learn from Paul about how to shine is that Jesus shines through my story. Uh, Don't miss the significance of the fact that Paul used his one and only opportunity before King Agrippa to tell his personal story of meeting Jesus. Paul was a biblical scholar and a theologian. Paul loved the Bible and theology, but when God gave him an opportunity to reach this one person, Paul shared his story of meeting Jesus and not theology. Jesus shined through Paul's story. So the first lesson I gotta learn from Paul is that if I follow Jesus, I have a story to tell and I need to shine by sharing it. Paul's story starts with what his life was like before he met Jesus and then moves on to how he met Jesus and then how his life is different now that he walks with Jesus. Your story can follow this same format. You may be saying, well, I can follow Paul's format, but it won't change the fact that my story is boring compared to Paul's. Uh, Paul's story includes torture and murder and intrigue and special effects and voices from heaven. Me, Uh, I prayed with my Sunday school teacher at age nine, Mrs. McGillicuddy, and I'm even bored with my story, and I'm living it. Uh, I used to think that about my story. I'm one of those with a very undramatic Mrs. McGillicuddy kind of a story, and uh, even though my story, however, is not exciting, it does revolve around a personal struggle and how my personal struggle was answered in the person of Jesus. And everybody can identify with a personal struggle. In my case, I met Jesus just by reading the Bible and found the answer to my personal struggle to receive God's love and approval and forgiveness. 
My story is not dramatic, but I've had the privilege of leading lots of people to Jesus through my story. Not because my story is exciting or anything special about me, but just because there's power in being personal and, find, and the process of finding an answer to a, a personal need. Those of us who embraced Jesus as children, we don't have a fall-on-the-ground story like the Apostle Paul. Our stories are more like the Apostle Peter's, uh, who came to understand Jesus in a slow process that included personal struggles of fear and failure and gradually to faith and following Jesus. So people who meet Jesus, like Peter, don't know the date and time of the moment they came to Jesus, but like Peter, most of us can identify some personal struggle that led us to seek Jesus. Just like Peter would say that Jesus addressed his insecurities in life and helped him become the rock of courage and confidence, maybe for you, the struggle is... uh, that led you to Jesus was, was fear or a sense of guilt or a need for contentment or purpose in your life. So think about your story. Identify the personal ways God met you so that you can tell your story to others in just one minute. Uh, to encourage us in this, uh, we're asking you to volunteer to share your story, uh, your one-minute life story in your community group sometime this month. And as we hear each other, it will encourage us to share and to shine with that one-minute story in the life of that one person we want to help toward Jesus. So how do I shine the light of Jesus to others? I I shine through my story. The next point is that Jesus shines through my joy. Uh, In verse 29, Paul says to King Agrippa, I pray to God that you, not only you, but all those listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains. These words reflect the joy that Paul experienced in Jesus. And these words also reflect the positive motivation Paul had for sharing his faith. Uh, Paul's relationship with Jesus was so joy-producing that he wanted others to experience it. Paul really believed that there was nothing better in this world than Jesus. And there are bad motives for sharing my faith. Guilt, uh, pride, a sense of superiority, duty, obligation, people praise. But the best motive for sharing my faith is the joyful belief that there is nothing better than a relationship with Jesus. The question is, do I really believe this? The degree of my shine is determined by the degree to which I really believe that a relationship with Jesus is better than anything and everything this world has to offer. So with this in mind, I'd like to show you something. And as I do, I just want to say that BlackRock is not taking any stand on which team should win tonight. All right, Pastor Mark here with the, uh, the members of the greatest football team on the earth. Uh, this is Alex and Mark. I'm very, very glad to let you guys share a little bit about your background, your story, your history, what Jesus has done in your life.
quick answers. I'll give you guys a couple questions and just give me quick answers. Start with Russell. Um, um, who's Jesus? Uh, who is Jesus? Uh, Jesus is everything. And the great thing about Jesus is he'll meet you right where you're at. You know, it's free. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. It gives it to us because he loves us and he's full of grace. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He's the beginning and end of everything. And, um, you know, in, in my life, you know, to understand the where we've reached, you know, which is, quote, unquote, in the world, view, the pinnacle, um, you really see how empty that is. And... Um, having Jesus in my life, you know, you really see how important that is because you see that he is everything. I mean, to take Jesus, who is perfect, and to be so humble as to come to earth as a mere man uh, and to live the life that he lived, uh, despite knowing my sin, to go to, on the cross and to die for, for my sin and our sin and, and everyone's sin, um, to me, I mean, that's everything. You know, that's, that's joy, that's peace, that's love, to think that him and his perfection I would do that despite knowing uh, the really the, the depths of who I am. Jesus is love. You know, at the end of the day, we're all looking for, for somebody, somebody to comfort us, for somebody to be there for us at all times, for somebody when we're, we're in the worst times of our lives, when we're battling with something, with struggles, whatever it may be. You know, when, when we're at our highest point, too, as well, when things are going really well, we want somebody to comfort us and be there for us and say, great, you know, you know, well done, you know, and, and, and that's Jesus. Jesus has always been there. He'll, he'll never, never leave you, never forsake you. Literally, Jesus is the greatest treasure in the universe. And it's, it's, it just makes sense. It's not like you give up your life and then you get something worse. You know, it's like Jesus is... All of us you give the that. worst and get the best. That's no question. You know, he gave us everything. We had nothing. He gave us everything. So literally, it's, it's just one plus one equals two. It's just that simple. You know, Jesus is better than anything that we could ever hope. Even better than the Super Bowl, better than the NFL career. Is the any NFL coach supposed to say that? That anything is better than the Super Bowl? Don't Jesus, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, I don't want to edit that out. You know, any, I think some of us here, all of us here would like to say you know, who knows what's going to happen. But if we ever to win the Super Bowl, to be able to tell everyone that, no, Jesus is still better. Because as much as as much as much we worship this thing called a ring and championship, although we like to have one for sure, I just can't wait to tell people. If that happens, God willing, we'll be able to tell people, yeah, Jesus is way better still. Because you're going to wake up the next day, things are going to be the same if you don't have Jesus. If you have Jesus, it's still going to be awesome win or lose. So. So I'd say that Jesus uh, shines uh, through these joy-filled guys who are willing to tell the world that Jesus is better than a Super Bowl ring. Jesus shines through you when you say and really mean that Jesus is better than anything else in the world and believe it like these Seahawks. And like I said, BlackRock is taking no position on which team should win tonight. But having said that, I think we all know who God's rooting for. So, no, I'm kidding. All right, let's, let's move on uh, to the next lesson in uh, Paul's story, which teaches uh, that Jesus shines through my pain. I mentioned that uh, Festus was fascinated by Paul. Agrippa was fascinated by Paul. And I think I know why. Festus and Agrippa were kings of comfort. And they had everything in the world that they wanted, but had no 
peace or contentment. And these men were fascinated by a man who was locked in prison for two years, standing before them in chains, and yet has this peace and contentment that they lacked. There's a myth out there that uh, being a witness for Jesus means showing people that you have a problem-free life and that your life just hums along in perfect order. This is false. I shine my brightest with Jesus when people see that I stand in chains and yet have peace and contentment through Jesus. I shine brightest when I go through trouble and trial and yet have a calm and confidence that comes from Jesus. So when you tell your story, don't leave out the painful parts of your past and your present. Be honest about your pain and in your struggle. Be authentic. Go ahead and rattle your chains a little bit because Jesus shines through the way you handle the hard stuff in his power. And then there's one final lesson that Paul teaches about how to shine. Jesus shines through my prayer. King Agrippa was the one person that God placed on Paul's heart in that moment. And Paul prayed for him. In verse 29, Paul says, I pray to God that not only you, King Agrippa, but everyone listening to me may become what I am except for these chains. Paul knew that prayer makes a difference. Last time we studied how God wants me to have the same passion for people that he has. Now let's talk about how I develop this passion. The best way for me to grow in God's passion for people is to pray for people. Last time I challenged you to identify one person you are willing to care enough about on a spiritual level that you eventually invite that one to church. Today, I want to challenge you to go beyond just identifying that one person, and I encourage you to pray for that one person. Here's the challenge. I encourage you to pray for one person at one o'clock for one minute. And as your application of this message, try it for a week, or if you want, try it for this whole month. Set a phone alarm to go off at 1 p.m. And when it does, take a minute and ask God to draw this one person on your heart to the one light of Jesus and ask God for opportunities. Ask God to soften that person's heart. And as you pray for this one, your passion for this one will grow. And maybe, just maybe, You'll have the thrill of seeing one come to Jesus as he shines through your story, through your joy, through your pain, and through your prayer. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for being the one light. And we come recognizing that there is no other way to the Father except through you. And we remember your sacrifice that makes that relationship possible now through your table. 
On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and after he gave thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus, your story, the story of your life, is infinitely more important than my story or any of our stories in this room. But yet, in your grace, your story has intersected with my story. And you've given me a new story. You've given each one of us who follow you a new story to tell. Lord, as we take this bread, would you meet with us in a way that would allow us to, in your presence, reflect on the details of our story that culminates in receiving the sacrifice that you have given on the cross for our own salvation. And Lord, as you review this story with us, would you fill us with gratitude and praise in your name, Jesus. Amen.